All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Why are the playoffs better at Boston Pizza? Because we've optimized our sports bar experience by studying in-depth analytics. Starting with our new BP Winged Ribs, currently leading all apps in wings above replacement, and deep-fried pickle wedges, an early favorite for the unanimous number one overall pickle. And, of course, the advanced stats darling and leader in pints per game, the new Beer Mosa. Catch the playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. We have a list of players that played well last night. Just Warren Fogle. Let's take a look at the list of players who played bad. It's a long one. Let's get into it with the lead. Oh, that was a dud of a hockey game from the Edmonton Oilers. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day live from the Sports Closet Studio. Check them out online, sportscloset.ca or one of their three locations around the Edmonton area. Edmonton gets pumped. And the first comment today was Liam signed into the Oilers Nation account who asked, do we suck? (laughs) After watching whatever the hell we watched last night, I actually think it's kind of a fair question. Sean Bell is here. His appearance post games is brought to you by Star Mechanical. You can find them at starmechanical.ca. Sean, why can't this team just show up? (sighs) It's the only it question was, for the show, by the you way. You know what? Yeah. Like, it was a rainy day, and I felt like they just <laughs> left their legs at home. Like they, I, I don't know. I am. Um, that game was not good by any stretch of the imagination, which is crazy because they actually started off pretty good. Warren Fogle, yeah, Warren the Fogle, guy who like where is it? 
They had some <laughs> one fungal. <laughs> they had some good shifts. They put it together, like yep. Kane, Dry and McDavid had a couple good shifts. They hemmed them in their zone. And then it's almost like the wheels just completely fell off. And uh you just you just wished that, you know, that try would have been there for yep. most of the game because I honestly think if they would have had just a little bit, even if it was a B plus game or even a B, <laughs> they might have might have won that game because I didn't think Vegas was overly good either. No, I didn't think they were that sharp in that hockey game, but they buried their chances. We'll we'll go through this whole thing here. And you're right. They score early. Bogle busts down the middle of the ice. Ryan makes a great pass. Brassois was way too deep in his net. Okay, they got a depth goal. You're thinking the Stars are still going to get theirs throughout that game. And then McDavid dry settling Kane, that next shift looked like a power play. Yep. They were just all over him, but they missed on a couple of looks and they let Vegas right back into the hockey game. And then it felt like once Vegas got into it, Edmonton went into this <clears throat> mode of like stretch passes. They were not just making these short little, you know, 10 to 12 footers up the ice. They were trying to hit home runs. It felt like every time and Vegas was just stepping up in the neutral zone and picking it off. The thing that irritates me and I'll go to you for this one, Liam, you go and you steal one, the second game in Vegas. Home barn is absolutely rocking. And the only guy after the first eight minutes that looked mildly interested in playing last night was Warren Fogle. Like that was a terrible game from McDavid. That was a terrible game from Dreisaitl, from Evander Kane. Just go down the list and rattle them all off. No one looked like they wanted to make an impact last night. To be honest, it was pretty pathetic if we're being real about it. And for a team that came out after whatever game that was and said, there's no quitting this team, boy, oh boy, it sure looked like they quit last night. So Mm -hmm. pretty ironic there. But yeah, like it was, it was very disappointing in in all areas. Like it was bad. And I think Stuart Skinner maybe is someone who did okay, considering how many chances he was actually had to save, right? Like he made some good saves and the others just made it so easy on the Golden Knights too. Like, they weren't aggressive even in the third period. Like they did nothing to show any kind of anger and frustration until Nurse grabbed Haig right at the end of the game when it was already out of the question anyway, right? But the yeah. game had been done in the last 20 minutes. So why not just take out your anger on them? You know, Vinny Dayane, I thought actually did an okay job of making them like feel a little bit of something. But it's like, man, it can't just be one guy who's also been fighting at this whole playoffs too. Like it's got to be a team effort. And yeah. It just quite frankly wasn't there. I'll actually echo that. And the the thing that I was really frustrated about is that you go back to the game in Vegas Mm. and it was literally the whole third period that Vegas was like, okay, we're just going to run around. We're going to do whatever we want to try to do. We're going to make it hard for your stars. We're going to make it hard for everybody in general. And we're just going to like take a piece of you with us Mm. after this game. But then you look at the reverse happens the next game and the Oilers don't do that. Even the nursing, like you asked this guy to fight. He was a guy that jumped in last time and basically tried to grab you in the middle of a scrum. Mm-hmm. But now you're you're going to give him that same respect where you're like, oh, let's fight. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Well, he didn't do that to you. So like, yeah. where is that that level of fire to like take a piece of them to say, hey, boys, like next game, it's going to be hard mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you're not going to get away from that. So that, that thing that frustrated me quite a bit um, just because I, I felt that there was that uh, game's over like. It's quit time. It, it truly did. And we spoke about it literally like all previewing this game and recapping game two of like, this team's tough. Like they're not going to get bullied by anyone. Then, then prove it when you're already down in the dumps anyway, prove that like you actually have some fight left in you because going into this game four, like obviously it's a seven game series, but I, 
I guarantee a lot of the fan base is like very disappointed in just that alone, right? And the belief is probably down slightly. Like, you shouldn't be gone. Obviously, it's a seven game series, but mm-hmm. show a little bit of fight. I there's a comment here from Ryan, and I'm really interested for your take on this, Sean. He says only one person to blame for these poor games. Jay Woodcroft. And I think a lot of times, and this was something last year during the playoffs when they show a dud, you're the only one between all the people watching the people in the room who played in the NHL. Is it a coach's job at the NHL level to motivate the players? No. If you're sitting in the regular season and you want to throw that one out there, you know what? I might even, I might bite, but let's be honest. It's the playoffs. And last year you went to the Western conference finals you come in, you say you're a better team this year, you're a tougher team this year, you have, you're more complete. There should be zero time ever to sit there and say, well, the coach needs to motivate me. Like Connor McDavid actually came out and said, like, yeah, it's all about legacy for me. Like, I want to win championships. I don't care about the points, all this kind of stuff. I want to yeah. win. And if that's the case, well, then you need to show up. Like, you can't allow your coach to be the guy that's going to try to get you there. Because if that's the case, then you're in trouble. Because championship teams are motivated within the dressing room. The mm-hmm. team actually leads it. It's not the coach. The coach just comes in and helps you. They don't take you to the dance. He's not coming in giving a rah-rah speech in between every period and before every game. You have to. Yeah. It's, and yeah, actually, I like that. It should be more on that leadership crew. 100%. If you want to point blame somewhere for coming out and looking unmotivated, that's where you do it. And I always go back to this is a leadership group that I think really leads on the ice. And you think back to game seven last year against L.A., First shift, Connor McDavid steamrolls Sean Dersey. And that game was one of the most physically engaged games I saw from the Oilers. And it starts at the top to some extent. And I even think that was the case in game two, right? Like the stars came out, pedal to the floor, scored on those power plays, were dominating the Golden Knights, and the trickle-down effect was felt through the lineup. And I think last night, it just that wasn't there from the big guns. 100%. If you look, if you look at the Colorado Avalanche last year, do you think Bednar went into that room <laughs> at any point, was like, hey, boys, can you try today? hell no you had mckinnon breathing down your neck like mckinnon's a nut job like to the point where he doesn't even want guys having pasta yeah so like that's the leadership that they have so why can't you have the same thing like bedner didn't go in the room and be like come on guys let's go like mccarr's doing it you know you trade for all these like veteran leaders the team is leading themselves Mm mm-hmm yeah, hundred percent. I just I always get a chuckle out of people being like, "Oh, you got to motivate the team better." Woodcraft. It's like, no, like, come on, that's not the way this stuff is going. Uh, let's get into our three big things from last night for Betway because there is a lot still to get to from that hockey game. And I didn't get into this one in the first chunk of the show because I didn't want people to think I was doing the blame the refs thing. That missed call on Kyler Yamamoto changed the game. The missed call right after on Ryan McLeod changed the game. You watch a lot of hockey, Sean. We all do. How many times when a player's head snaps back, do the refs not put up their arm? It's more often that the player snaps his head back and the sticks nowhere close to him and they're still calling it and then going to review it. A blatant high stick on Kyler Yamamoto behind the net gets missed. And I was at the game last night sitting down in that corner. So like my line of sight was where like me, where the high stick was and the ref. And he was looking right there and the play goes back the other way. They immediately score. It should have been a 1-1 game with the Oilers getting a power play. It's now 2-1. Fast forward a few seconds. What happens? Ryan McLeod. Boom. High stick. Again, it was right there. And the ref does this little thing with his hands where he's like trying to show that like, I don't know, the player's stick was down low or something. I don't know what he was trying to do with his hands there. Anyways, missed call. Fast forward a few more seconds. Evander Kane, undisciplined, bad cross-checking penalty. 
And now instead of that game at one point being one, one with the Oilers on the power play, it's now two, one with a Vegas power play to start the second. And Edmonton just spiraled from there and did not get a sniff of momentum again in that hockey game. They needed to fight through it better. Great teams fight through adversity like that. And the Oilers did not have that in them last night. I think though, the Oilers ended with two power plays in that game. One of them came at garbage time, which again, that drives coaches nuts. Yes, when a ref throws his arm up <laughs> with 90 seconds to go in a blowout yeah. game, that's when here's your token. Yeah, yeah. here we go. All oh, the stat sheet will look better for, uh, yeah. for the officials. And the other one was a power play that lasted like 25 seconds as well. There was more wrong in that game than the refs. But I think last night was a bit of, the Oilers power play is so good. It's got to be real bad for the refs to call it right now. And that was an officiating crew who was trying so hard to not make themselves the story. They so desperately did not want it to be Edmonton got five power plays, scored three power play goals and won the game again that they did the reverse. And they just played right into what the Golden Knights want, which is to be played at five on five. Yeah, it's tough because, you know, part of that rule with the high stick is you have to be in control of your stick at all times. And you look at the Yamamoto one, well, he gets pitchforked right across the face. It's like, you got to call that, especially if you're going to call Canes. Yeah. Like, you know, we can call Canes undisciplined all we want, but at the end of the day, like he hits him in the shoulder, right? And it kind of rides up. So it's no different than what happened with Eichel. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem is, is that, you know, the Oilers kind of, I think it let him get to it. Like it got to him. And especially on that goal, like you see Kyler Yamamoto skating back into the picture and he's still holding his face. Well, like, okay, are you bleeding? I know it hurts, but like, let's get back into the play. And it's still a three on three. Yeah. Right. And they were sitting back a little bit. And I just think that the whole situation with the refs was just a microcosm of their game. Right. Like they just, they let things get to them that normally shouldn't. And it definitely affected them. The calls don't go your way. And you're right. They just kind of said, well, going to give up here. Couldn't yeah. battle through it. The home run passes weren't going their way. Well, there you go. And here's a look at the Kyler Yamamoto missed call there. And you're right. Yeah. Like he's if, if he's, sk- if he's skating hard, he's taking the high guy there yeah. and he might disrupt that play before it even happens. So, yeah. So like as soon as he hit the goal score, like you see him come in the picture once again, grabbing his face. And it's yeah. like, you know, I get that. Like high sticks are not fun to take, <laughs> but at the same time, this is playoff hockey and you've got to take it. If it doesn't get called, like get back into the play and help your team out because Three on three, if you skate, you're right in the play and then you're pro- possibly picking off that pass. So it, it's a bit of both, like 100% agree there needs to be calls, but at the same time, like, mm-hmm. come on, this is playoff hockey, like play, yeah. play it out. And there's a couple more comments in there about there was a missed call on Bouchard and then there was a missed call on Hyman. I'm not even including those because it was like a trip and an interference that like, yeah, okay, they could have been penalties, but like eight of those happen in the game. Yeah. The missed high sticks are just like so blatant that like, if you're an official, you're making the active choice to like not raise your hand up. That should be instinct for those guys to like players head snaps back. You see a golden Knight with their stick up like this and boom, the arm shoots up. Uh, yeah. The high, the knee actually pissed me off. The knee on Hyman. I just think like the ref's right there. Like, I mean, the knee goes up quite it. a bit here. Yeah. It, like that is just a straight knee on me. Hyman was affected by this the whole game. And then on the intermission report, they were like, Hyman got tied up and like showed the replays. Like, no, oh, that is a, just a knee. <laughs> Hyman tries knee. to jump around the contact, you're right. And yeah. the egg like extends his knee like, up as Hyman jumps. Holy like, moly. like maybe it's a yeah, Charlie it's horse and like not direct knee on me, but either way, like the knee from Haig moves. And I don't care if it was an accident or not, it's still a penalty. But also on the Yamamoto one, you can kind of see 
Eichel look back at the ref a little bit too. And he's like, you know what you did, but also I, the others didn't do enough in the second or third period to get the legs moving to even cause like a tripping penalty either. So I agree. The refs weren't yep. the highlight of the game, but they definitely were part of the story. Luke says you shouldn't be this dependent on the power play. If you want to win, you need to win the sure. five on five game. And yeah, like a hundred percent, the Oilers need to be better at five on five. That's why we spent the first 10 minutes of the show talking about how bad the Oilers were at five on five, but still to sit there and say, and I saw people and media members, a lot of people after going, if you think the refs changed the outcome of this game, like you're wrong. If you don't think the refs changed the outcome of that game, I'm not sure what you watched. Like I, again, like, there were three missed calls in the first period and that's when the game turned and the Oilers again if they want to win a Stanley Cup they got to fight through adversity better I am not sitting here and just giving them a passing grade saying oh they they really showed up and played well but the refs screwed them over no it was a bit of both in that hockey game and a lot of not showing up and playing well I just I don't know I just don't like people who always do the I don't like people who always do the oh it's the refs it's the refs it's the refs and the refuse suck chance were out last night. And I don't love that. <laughs> but I also don't like the people who will always sit there and be like, oh, the refs did a fine job. The Oilers just got to play better. Because like there was a bit of an officiating impact in that hockey game. Um, the other side of it, and we'll dig into this now, who's going to be the goalies in game two or in game four of this series? <laughs> On both sides, Laurent Bressois went down. And again, I was actually really lucky in that game to be sitting where I was because he went down again right in front of me. And in, when he went down, it was like, Okay, it, the shot didn't hit him up high or anything. Like, why is he going down? And then when he did that, like, glove throw off, that's usually a sign that a player knows it's pretty bad. Yeah. Like, when you can see that frustration on them, yeah. I would be stunned if he plays next game. Yeah, I'd be shocked too. It almost looked like it's either his knee or his hip. Like, as he pushed over, he just basically stopped right away. Um, so he doesn't yeah. look like he's coming back at all, which is, I don't know if it's a loss for them. And, and I see. only say that with respects to the fact that. You know, the Oilers have probably scouted Bressois very, very heavily and maybe not as Aiden Hill as much because they didn't expect to see him. Um, so now Aiden Hill comes in, you know, they haven't done as much work and finding out what are his weak spots. Uh, so that might play into Vegas a little bit more, but, you know, it's really disappointing to see, uh, to see a guy get hurt. On the flip side with you know, Skinner and Campbell, like, I don't know who you put in yet. Um, obviously Campbell's come in and he's done a pretty decent job, um, when he's been between the pipes in the playoffs, um, Skinner has been good, but still sometimes you're like, I hope he can make that one save mm -hmm. that could maybe give me a break. And so we can get our legs going like, you know, on the white cloud goal, is this a stop that you can make to now keep your team into it a little bit more? And now maybe they have a chance to, you know, catch one on a power play, or yep. maybe they have a fluke goal or something like that that gets you right back into the game. Right. And it probably gives the Oilers a bit of a different outlook mm -hmm. uh, on the game. So very tough uh, choice, I guess, for Woodcroft. Yeah. Uh, Liam, do you want to put a poll in the chat? I'd love to see who people would start in the next game between Skinner and Campbell, because what I think about it's Picard. <laughs> are we there yet <laughs> uh, i don't know if we're I there hope, yet i hope not i really hope not uh, yeah. on rodrigue is that is going down that far <laughs> hey why not <laughs> but you're right jack campbell i mean in two relief appearances a 947 and a 153 and you look down the stretch in the regular season as well his last couple of games he allowed one goal in his last two starts to the anaheim ducks granted that was the anaheim ducks Stuart Skinner, yeah, I wanted that White Cloud one stopped. He made a great save on Marchessault so when it was 3-1. And then immediately after that, Evan Bouchard blows a tire and Jack Eichel makes it 4-1. And like the Eichel one, I don't blame him on at all. The other ones, though, like, I mean, 
The second Marshall one was like that weird back door or in the slot tap in. But again, I felt like Skinner defensive over zone coverage there. Though. Yeah, it was defensive zone coverage. Skinner, I thought maybe overcommitted a little bit. You needed a few more timely big stops from Stuart Skinner and you didn't get them. So if Jay Woodcroft were to go with Jack Campbell tomorrow, I would understand it. I would say it makes sense why they're doing this. It would not make me any less nervous about starting Jack Campbell in a playoff game because we just saw this year, like, again, we're nitpicking to say Stuart Skinner should have stopped some of those. Like the white cloud one still zipped over his shoulder. Like it wasn't egregious. Jack Campbell has a tendency to give up egregious goals that are very bad looking and like absolutely need to be stopped. Skinner doesn't have that in him. So there's a part of me that says you keep rolling with Skinner, but this team needs a wake up call right now. And it's a damn shame that it's come to this. Yeah, it's pretty tough. I mean, if you look at Campbell and the only thing that I'll say about him is like the two goals that he gave up and I used two goals because there was, you know, back to back plays. The first one was he had zero chance. The guy, once again, defensive zone error, two guys are watching. He taps in a rebound. And then the other one, Stevenson goes right by Bouchard and he mm-hmm. tips it. Like that was a really nice tip. So you take out those two goals, what do you have from Campbell in a relief appearance? Like you have, once again, really good numbers, very good, solid in net. He looks like he's a lot calmer than what he was mm-hmm. in the regular season. Yeah. So like that kind of gives me a little bit of hope in terms of saying like he, he might be okay. Um, but at the same time, I get the fears of Oilers fans. <laughs> I get those big time because he has not in a larger sample size uh, demonstrated that uh, he will be the answer. I, my concern is that if you go to Campbell, at some point it's going to get to a point where you then need to go back to Skinner. And that means you're coughing up another game or, <laughs> or he's given up some bad goals. So the poll right now, 55% for Skinner, 45% for Jack Campbell. It's tight. Liam, what would you do? I don't know. I Honestly, it's such a difficult decision because on one hand, like you kind of just address like Skinner doesn't really do anything. That's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like Campbell is capable of that. And like, you look at the goals too, like I know the white cloud one, but like look at the errors in front of him as well. It feels like every single goal that goes in on this team is like two or three errors leading up to it in front. So I find it difficult to put it on Stuart Skinner, but maybe you do just need to kind of shake things up. But if it goes wrong, then the Oilers are down 3-1 in this series. So it's just such like, maybe you just go with what you know and you go back to Skinner again and just say to your team, like, pick your shit up. Like, honestly, like yeah. figure it out. There's definitely a good opportunity, I think, for that to happen. Like you probably know McDavid and Drysdale are sitting in the room, mm. you know, maybe laying into the team a little bit. Uh, you know, and they just have to, they got to look in the mirror and say, like, do we really want this or not? Because you can't have duds like that in the playoffs. And now, please don't get me wrong and think that like every game is going to be an A plus. You don't mm. need it to be an A plus every single night, but you can't ride that wave of momentum where all of a sudden you're an A and then something goes wrong and then all of a sudden you're like a D. Because most yeah. teams like Vegas, because they've been in this situation before, are going to give you a minimum a B plus every single night. Yeah. So if you can do that, like you give yourself a better opportunity to win the game. And right now, I think Skinner is feeling that because all the goals that were given up are like goals that are defensive zone coverage lapses. Mm-hmm. Like, give me some communication. White Cloud goal is purely communication based. Oh, I got yeah. him. You got him. Yes. Okay. We've solved that. Right. Like, and CC can't step up there because all he's going to do is going to slip it to the guy that's in the middle of the ice. Who's going to have a great a chance himself. So like they just put themselves in really bad situations on the defensive end and it's not working out because you got a team that can score. 
Maybe they got to just change the defensive pairings. Like maybe that's just kind of, is that, that, that's my third big thing. Third big thing for Betway, Liam. I read the report. Flash this up, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Cody, (laughs) Cody CC was bad last night. I thought Darnell Nurse wasn't great in that hockey game. Evan Bouchard had his worst game of the playoffs. Basically it's, it was Ekholm and Kulak who were fine, and even they were not great by any stretch. I actually think Kulak might have been their best defenseman last night, which probably shouldn't be happening. Um, but it's concerning right now with the blue line. Nurse and CeCe, I don't know if they've strung together consecutive good games yet in this playoff run. I don't know if the answer is to flip Kulak to his offside and play him up there with Nurse. I'd at least be intrigued to try it. But then... Oh boy, you got the slow boots duo of Cody Cece and Vinny DeHarnay. Like they might struggle with the four check of Vegas. Would you change anything up here, Sean? Well, it's funny that we're talking about this because I was actually scrolling through Instagram today and I saw Shane O'Brien, his post, and he actually had Ekholm and DeHarnay together as a shutdown pairing. And then he had Nurse and Bouchard as a third pairing and was like, don't play them at all. And then he had Kulak and Cece together. And I was like, huh, like you're really shaking this thing up. Yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> so what you're telling us is Shane O'Brien has watched one Edmonton Oilers yeah. game this season. And it was last night. And I was like, wow, that's really aggressive. But I mean, like, <laughs> I, I think you got to, you, you got to sit those guys in a room and be like, guys, you need to figure this out because we need you. Darnell Nurse, like they need him. Yep. And we can argue whether he's a first or second or third. I don't care. We need you. Yeah. And so he's just got to, he's got to figure his thing out. I think he's still trying to do a little bit too much. Uh, just simplify your game. Cody CC, once again, like just find your game, move pucks quickly. Cause that's when you're usually most effective. Um, and, and I guess Woodcroft's got to challenge those four to, to just be better. And cause if they can do it and be better, the Oilers will win this series. Yeah, I need better effort from that blue line. And I like what you said about Darnell Nurse. Like, you can't just play him 11 minutes a game. Like, this guy for the last two seasons, three seasons now, has been a consistent 25-plus minute a guy D-man for them. And you can sit there and pick apart mistakes in his game. Bottom line is when any player is on the ice that much, they will make mistakes. There will be bad plays. He has a very difficult job. And I think sometimes this fan base is just too quick to jump on him for certain things. And if you watch Matias at home closely enough, he also makes mistakes. It's a little bit of the shiny new toy thing. I feel like where, People just don't pick up on Ekholm's poor tendencies. He's a great defenseman. I'm not saying he's not. He's the best defenseman this team's had, this franchise has had since Chris Bronger. But he still makes mistakes. Darnell Nurse plays a ton. You need him to play a ton. So if you want to switch up the pairings, and this is where I'm getting with this, and you want to go Kulak CC, I don't hate the look of Kulak CC. Then what? Are you playing Vinny and Bro or Broberg with Nurse for his 20 plus minutes? Like you're just kind of locked into this group of six right now. And as much as I want to sit there after watching what I did last night and say Woodcroft needs to make changes, I think Ekholm and Bouchard have been too good together for too long to split up. And I don't see a way to dice up the rest of those pairings unless you're flipping guys to their offsides. And I think that's hard to do. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. Like there, there's honestly not much you can do in terms of changing the pairings up, you know, Nurse and CC throughout the year have actually been pretty good together. Mm-hmm. Um, Ekholm Bouchard, like you just mentioned, have been arguably the best pairing for them. So I think you just got to take into account that this might be the one hiccup 
and you're hoping it's a one hiccup uh, that they have and then they kind of get back on track. But like, you know, going back to the the nurse conversation, the game has completely changed to the point where it benefits offensive players way more than ever. So yeah, mistakes happen on the defensive end. Like you can't water ski a guy coming through the neutral zone like you could in 96. So Darnell Nurse is in 96. Like, what are we talking about? He's probably one of the best defensemen. But everything that they do is skewed to the offensive side. So defensemen have it a little bit tougher. Like you're going to have those mistakes and it is it's across the league and with every single guy. So um, he does good things, but right now I just think he's got to find his game again. He's got to simplify. And I think that will help him uh, round out, round out and form a little bit more. Liam, anything you do there? I don't know. Like you said, like the options are very limited. Like the only thing I would maybe do is switch kind of counters what we just talked about, but maybe just switch Bouchard and CC around. Like, I wonder if that would do anything. Like, I know it sounds chaotic, uh, yeah. but it, uh, I don't know. I worry about a Bouchard nurse like, duo playing 25 minutes a night. Hey, I don't well, think you can do it. You don't think yeah. so? No, because no? they're both like Bouchard plays ultra offensive and yeah. nurse tries to play ultra offensive. So like you can't have both of those guys doing that. They're, the reason why Ekholm's there is because he gives you a little bit of stability mm. when Bouchard can and he can kind of go off and do his thing, right? So yeah. um, I just don't think you're going to get that same level of stability with uh, a Bouchard nurse comp. I wonder combo. what uh, Ryan Murray's doing. <laughs> he's Whatever he's doing, I hope it has nothing to do with getting ready to play playoff hockey. Like, seems like a great dude, but he hasn't played hockey or NHL hockey in a long time. But to give a real answer, like, this is kind of what the issue was after the trade deadline, right? We all kind of yep. knew this was going to get to the point where it's like, is Dayane good enough? Is this right side good enough? And now you look at it and it's like, well, your fourth best right-handed defenseman is Jason Demers. So this is an issue the others have run into on their own. We t- This show talked about that a lot. It was, mm-hmm. I wanted one more move from Holland and it was a veteran righty. Even if it was someone who wasn't going to play every day. It would have been anyone. Someone who you could have just used as a bit of a safety net. And mm-hmm. I mean, the reports are that the coaching staff said we don't need it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why Jay Woodcroft's been so adamant with continuing to throw Darren out there because that was his bet. That's his guy. I can understand that stubbornness as well. So, yeah, I, I'm fascinated to see what Jay Woodcroft does with this team ahead of game four. Like, out of the D pairings, I think we just kind of talked ourselves into a pretzel and figured out that you really can't do much. But the forward lines, we could see some changes. I wouldn't be surprised if he moved Warren Fogel up the lineup next game. Yeah. Do you, know, you? do you know there's one other thing too that, that bugged me when I was making my, I made notes for the show. We've already covered a yeah. lot of them. The first goal when Marshall so comes across and kind of tucks it in, Cody Cece, Bukestad, and Darnell Nurse all had opportunities to knock someone on their ass. And not one of them made the decision yep. of, I'm going to bury this guy to the ice right now. Make it difficult. Like if you can't defend, at least make it look like you can try and defend. Like, come on. Like you look at it. Is, is this Aaron? Yeah, I think so. So yeah, they'll cool. come through like as soon as, so the puck kind of goes in the air. It's a bit whatever, but like CC's just like hardly pushing the guy, like just bury the guy to the ground. Take the penalty if you have to, because clearly you're yeah. in a dangerous situation. Just like that's the kind of stuff that we kind of talked about. They didn't do it in the third period. Quite frankly, they didn't really do for 60 well, minutes. Never mind knocking him on his ass, but like just look a little bit more. CC has the puck on his stick right there and freeze frame. That was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. You get beat out of the corner. You get out battled in front of the mm-hmm. net. And those are things that in playoff hockey, like you can't, you can't give up these goals because 
series are won and lost right in right in your house. Yeah. And that right there. And actually a lot of the goals that were scored were right in the Oilers house. Yeah. And you can't have that uh, in the playoffs. I knew they were showing clips today on Twitter of Stuart Skinner defend, uh, defending those as a goaltender. For me, you get your defenders out there and show them how to do it. Cause Skinner actually made some good saves down low last game. Oh, Belzy, we kept you long, so I appreciate you staying. Hopefully, <laughs> no hopefully problem. Thursday's show is a little bit more positive. Maybe we'll have some beers going because the Oilers went 5-1 again. But thanks for hopping in. Yeah, anytime. There you go. Sean Bell for our friends at Star Mechanical. Uh, if you need 24-7 emergency service, 780-481-8873 is where you can find them. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, there you go. Sean Bell for Star Mechanical. Um, there was a lot to break down in that hockey game. I, <laughs> it's just this team, man. Like, I don't know how, how you can skate out into that environment and then play with that little of a give a shit. Yeah. It's fascinating. That is, that's kind of the big thing, isn't it? It's just like the, the effort overall. And I hate to do this, but I'm going to call out Leon Drysaddle just like a little bit on the, at the end of the game there on that power play. He had that one shot and it looked like he didn't even want to take it. And then like the pot came across, he didn't even move. It's like, I get it. The game's done, but man, like there was effort throughout the game too. And that moment for me, just really was an image of what the Oilers were for 60 minutes. Sorry, I shouldn't say 60, probably 52, but like, come on, man, like make an effort, try and capitalize on something. I hate to call him out because he's been so good, but it's just like so frustrating to watch. The guy is like probably going to set the record for most goals in a playoff run. But to me, you could take these last two games and it sums him up as a player in a way, right? Yeah. It's dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. Couple things don't go his way. And what does he do? He wants to slash guys. He wants to take cross-checking penalties. And he's largely disinterested in his own end of the ice. But when things are humming, he's the second best player in the world. And he's, again, like it sounds so dumb to criticize him. And I fully recognize that. So stupid. But there are... Things that annoy you with his hockey game you, that don't exist with like a Connor McDavid. No, it's just his style, his, yeah. his nonchalantness, his like personality. His, like yeah, he, he has that little bit of a prick in him. Like 
but I'll I'll allow myself to criticize him because I've been calling him the best player in the world for like a month and a half now. So I'll take mm-hmm. that one for him. But yeah. statistically, even analytically, like he was the best player for the Oilers. So what do I, we know? I say he might he might lead the league in goals, but he might lead it in dumb slash penalties. <laughs> yeah, he probably does. <laughs> An ugly one. Uh, you all had a bunch of takes. Listen, I know people watch and get really mad at Darnell Nurse. He has a very tough ask, and he, again, I'm being critical today on the show, and I don't like doing that because, again, I'd rather be positive on these. Cody CC is not a good partner. No, he is pulling a lot of weight on that pairing. And again, people are going to be like, "Oh, the the second goal or that first goal. What was Nurse doing?" If Cody Cece knocks his guy on his ass or makes a semi-competent stick play, we're not talking about that puck going in. Yeah. And Cece made a couple of dumb passes in his first shift, and that was his second shift. And it was just like, you just knew from that point he didn't have it. Uh, Can we watch the White Cloud goal again, Aaron? Because I know, I think Nurse was on the ice. That was the one Nurse was on the ice for as well. Yeah. And that one was just like, it's blown coverage up top. There's a switch that needs to happen there. And I like what Sean said. It's a it, it, miscommunication, lack of communication, whatever you want to call it. The Oilers were not on the same page at all in that hockey game. Okay. I want to watch Nurse specifically, right? Because he's in front of the net here. Play he goes, goes up so. top. And then look, he's got to go take that guy, that winger, right? Mm-hmm. He probably should stop and go back there. But also the forward, that's Fogel on that one. Or is that McDavid? It was Fogel. It was Fogel. He should probably look at coming around, coming around, coming around this point here. He's probably got to recognize that, okay, my guy's not a dangerous threat. And then he's got to look and see nurse coming to take that guy. Cause they both had eyes on the same guy. You can keep running here and like here. Okay. Where's your guy going Fogel? That's not your guy anymore. You got to swing back down. Yeah. I, I think the exact same thing on he's this chasing, play too. And I go, someone commented, he's nurse is the most brain dead defenseman. He was out of the zone on the white cloud goal. Okay, the, a forward didn't score that goal. Warren Fogle lost his guy there. And again, he was the only Oiler who played good in this hockey game. So we'll cut him a break here. But as this play goes up, why is Warren Fogle now chasing a defenseman out of the zone there? That makes no sense to do. Yeah, I, I agree. And I know Belzy said CC shouldn't step up in this, but I think you can put something in the lane a little bit to even support your guy and make the other guy beat you. Because if you look at it again here, the guy who CC is yeah. covering in the middle is fairly crowded and and nurse to his credit kind of gets back at the space or maybe it's Warren Fogel or whoever it is. Like you can run that risk of like putting a stick in the lane at least. Right. Yeah. And it's just, I agree. Like maybe nurse slightly overcommitted to the switch, but also Fogel's got to recognize what is going on in the play. And it's that pretty much felt like a set play by the Vegas mm-hmm. Golden Knights. Yeah, it really did. Another, uh, it's just ugly, just ugly and annoying all around was that hockey game last night. Um, you look so much bigger than me on the screen. It's because I sit like more forward. We need to move the shelves back. I know. There you go. I'll sit right on the edge of my seat. Now we look like the same size. I am only slightly smaller than Tyler yeah. in height. <laughs> Sitting on the edge of your seat. No one at Rogers Place was doing a ton of that <laughs> last night as uh, the Oilers just get absolutely blown out. Let's get into some numbers from last night's game powered by Boston Pizza and their Fanalytics-inspired menu, Beermosas, the new Italian deli pizza. That's delicious. Deep-fried pickles. You love those? <laughs> yep. I don't. I'm not a deep-fried pickle Me guy. Me neither. 
playoffs and BPs and their new fan analytics menu. Uh, <laughs> you want to take a stab at who had the best five on five shots for percentage for the Oilers last year? For them last or sorry, year? no, last game, not last year. Jesus. Uh, I don't know. It was, it was Philip Broberg. Oh, well, Oilers outshot the Golden like Knights 6-2 to two with him on the ice. Uh, in total, at 5-on-5 five five in last night's hockey game, there were only four Oilers who were not on the ice for a 5-on-5 five five goal against. Broberg, Costin, DeHarnay, and Ekholm. Those were the only four Oilers not on the ice for a 5-on-5 five five goal against. Because there was a 4-on-4 four four one that Ekholm mm. was on the ice for. And of those four, only one of them was on the ice for a goal for. Philip Broberg. Philip Broberg. He was the only player who had a positive rating at five on five last game. What do you do with Broberg? I feel like he's such an intriguing player because yep. sometimes, like every, seems like every single time we come on these shows, we like obviously jokingly say Villet Broberg. They play like two minutes, played but nine also, minutes at five v five last game. Yeah, and I think last game he is minutes elevated a little bit for the most part. He was very low, but like he's consistently in the positive. Yeah, he's never thrown out there in any situations. He had that great chance in the third period as well, which uh, Aiden Hill made a very good save on. Like, I just wonder what it's going to take for him to actually get an opportunity to to thrive in this team. It just feels feels so Evan Bouchard from the bubble. Yeah. Year. Okay, Mark K is in the chat. There I always like pointing out when I think someone's commenting in the chat for the first time. I think Mark K might be. I don't recognize. There's no like memorable last name there, but Mark K is in all caps with his first two comments ever. No more 11 and seven run four lines. And then just follows it up again by just saying four lines again. I like the idea of him being a guy who's watched the show. I don't know if any of this is true. I'm making it all up in my head. <laughs> I like the idea of him watching like all 170 yes. episodes of this show and never commenting, never being so passionate about anything until this moment right now when he was like, <laughs> enough and he's like i need to see 12 forwards in this gd lineup on game four and you know what mark i think i might be with you but the problem is if you go 12 and 6 how do you can you justify giving vinnie deharnay an extra three to four minutes a hockey game that is a tough decision to make you're essentially running five defensemen in, in a slight way, right? Like if you do go 11 and six, so like 12 and six. Yeah. Right? And again, you're going to want to give more shifts to McDavid and dry at different points. I understand the idea of like, let's get these guys some consistent line mates and maybe things start to gel, but then you run into, do you play McDavid and dry together or apart if you're going 12 and six, uh, it might be time to split them up. I think it's 1 million percent time to split. Really? Up. I don't think Bukestad's good enough to be your second line center. Mm-hmm. I think he is a fantastic, fantastic third line center. And that line of Fogo, McLeod, and, and Ryan has obviously been good. But like, are you really not going to change your lines up based on how good a third line has been for you? Like, I just feel like enough is enough with those guys. And I've seen, I've seen too much of what Bukestad, Nuge, and Hyman do, and it's not really a lot. So mm-hmm. I think it's time the others spread out the offense a little bit. And capitalize, especially when you have this change, this home ice advantage of the change, right? Yeah. Uh, Greg says drop CC. I mean, Greg, we we covered that with Belzy. There's no way to do it. Like, <laughs> that's an off season conversation now. Yeah, and it's like a big off season conversation. Like the Oilers are gonna be looking to shed a little bit of salary this summer, and I don't really want to do off season talk right now because we're in the middle of a playoff run. And it's way more fun to talk about playoff hockey. Um, but that's a spot you're probably looking to, to upgrade and to upgrade it. You got to clear up money and CC's probably that guy who might, again, no trade protection on that deal. 
3.25 mil. You could probably find a taker for it somewhere. Jim Rutherford loves these guys. Maybe he'll take them. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, but it is true though, isn't it? Like if you want to play Cody CC yeah. top minutes every single night, then he needs to be better. He was very good mm-hmm. last season for this team and surprisingly good. And now um, it just seems he's fallen into some bad habits that he had from when he was with Toronto and Ottawa. So it's going to, I don't think he's going to turn it around anytime soon for this team. It's just about kind of just be sensible, I guess is a good way to describe him right yeah. now. Uh, looking at the right, the list of right shot demon available on the free agent market this year is not great. It's or a fun. few intriguing names, I guess, but again, you're going to pay more than the 3.25 you're giving CC, right? So it's, it's, it's a tough one. And who, who uh, yeah, yo, you want the list? Yeah, I can't figure out to pull it up. I closed the tab, but I will reopen it. All right. This is sorted by uh, time on ice, average time on ice last season. Okay. These are your 10 UFA right shot demon. Matt Dumba, Scott Mayfield, John Klingberg, Justin Hall, Damon Severson, Kevin Shattenkirk, Travis Hamanick, Ethan Bear, Evan Bouchard. He's an RFA granted. Sorry. So is Bear. Um, so sorry. Seven of those guys are UFAs. Next class. on the list for UFAs, Connor Clifton, Radko Gudis. You're not bringing in Radko Gudis to be a top pairing D-man. No, no, no. You're not bringing in Connor Clifton to be a top pairing D-man. Hamannick, nope. Shattenkirk, nope. Severson, probably not. Can't afford him. And he might get... a. Oh, he's getting more than 3.25. Yeah, for sure. Scott Mayfield, I love, but yeah. he's getting more than 3.25. Matt Dumba would be intriguing, but I think he's... You might have to trade for someone. I like how you didn't mention Justin Hall once on that list, which I was yeah. like, you mentioned him and then never brought him up again, which was good because yeah, we don't need to do, we don't need so to do that. But you got to trade for someone. I think I, it's the moral. Of it and I all. get there's frustration here. I'm frustrated. That was a very annoying night of hockey. And this team's got to stop just absolutely laying an egg in big opportunities. Yeah. You took control of the series. It was one, one, you had a home ice advantage back in your hold and you just, shit the bed they yeah. gotta stop doing that get it and i know there's frustration where i was going with this people want to vent that's great that's what this chat is for and i love it if you sit there and go need to run four forward lines need to go 12 and six there's a problem with that you're taking broberg out and you're giving more minutes to deharnay and we've seen that that can have an ugly outcome also how do you do the forward lines with the four centers like there's problems to that play cody cc less then who the hell are you playing more? Darnell Nurse sucks. Have you seen the guy he's playing with? And you don't have a better partner for him. Like, again, it's just, there are, this is not a perfect roster by any means. Is it a roster that's capable of winning the Stanley Cup? Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. when they play good, and if they play good in the next three games, guess what? It's Oilers in six. Yeah. They, they are fully in control of going to the Stanley Cup final because they're better than Dallas and they're better than Seattle as well. They just need to show up. And that, that's it, isn't it? They need to show up and they just need to sh- show up and like, what is it? Their yeah. FF has essentially been like game one and three. And it's funny because after game one, we were like, wow, they won't play like this again. Then they played significantly worse. Someone says <laughs> Dumbo would be good with Nurse. I don't think you've watched Matt Dumbo play a lot of hockey personally. <laughs> like if, if you're frustrated with some of the pinches that these Oilers D-men currently make, Oh boy, you're not going to like Matt Dumba by about January next year. So, Falling uh, the Rebel, though. Him and Nuge did do well for the Rebels when they played together. Could it be something? Sure. 
You reunite Nugent and Dumba. You reunite Connor Brown and Connor McDavid. There you go. There you go. What more do you need? Uh, this one, we need to be more relentless on the forecheck, plain and simple. Yeah, like there was, an, sure. there was a want factor. And there is in every playoff game. The Oilers aren't there. You go around the NHL, man, the Leafs aren't there. Right? Yeah. Like you can identify it in the series. The Stars, big guns, they haven't been given much of a you-know-what at all in this series against Seattle. So, mm-hmm. so JT, stop worrying. Rusty says it too. We're only down 2-1. Yeah, the Oilers were down 2-1 last round too. And look how quickly they flipped the switch and turned things around there. They needed some help, right? Needed to pull out a miracle comeback and have Zach Hyman score an OT winner. I think the difference here is that you're down 2-1 and you kind of got thrown around in the two losses. Yeah. Like against LA... You really shot yourself in the foot and there is the element of them shooting themselves in the foot in these two losses to Vegas, but you didn't lose five, one to LA. No. And also they lost in overtime in both those games. And it was the Velarde high stick was a controversial conversation. Like it's okay to be worried about this team right now because they were essentially horrendous yesterday. And it's good to be critical because again, they were very, very bad. You can't just sit here every single game and be positive because I think we'd drive ourselves crazy if we did that, to be honest. Yes. Pradneski says we need to talk about the leadership core. We did that off the jump. If you want to go back and listen yeah. to that, when we asked Sean about, you know, does Woody need to motivate them? And the answer there's no, it's not on the coach to motivate people who do this for a living. You know, this isn't right before the semifinals of the Pee Wee Christmas tournament and the coach <laughs> is going to come in and rally up with a good speech. This isn't, you know, people always bring up the miracle speech, right? Yeah. This isn't that, man. The Oilers aren't playing the Soviets. <laughs> like, come on. These guys can motivate themselves. When you're sitting in the room and you can hear Roger's place rocking, like if that can't get you going. There's nothing in the world Jay Woodcroft can say that can get you going either. So yeah. let's, uh, let's keep moving along here. Shout out again to Boston Pete's and their Fanalytics inspired menu. Uh, AMA travel out of town scoreboard, Liam. Two game fours tonight. Mm-hmm. Who's facing the most pressure out of these four teams? Uh, Dallas taking on Seattle, Carolina taking on Jersey. Um, I think Dallas is the most pressure. Okay. I just, I think they have the most pressure because the Oilers need them to win too. Did you see that crazy stat yesterday? Yeah. <laughs> it's like literally whatever Dallas do, the Oilers do the next night. So let's go stars. Um, so yeah, I think, I think Dallas is the most pressure, but also Seattle has just kind of been, very, very impressive in the way they're they've dogs, been winning man. games. And that yeah. Carolina, New Jersey series is an absolute gong show. Like, what was it? Carolina had three short-handed goals the other night yeah. or something? Just kind of wild. So that game is just doing whatever they want to do. That series, sorry, with the Dallas-Seattle one, it just feels like Dallas really need a breakthrough. I'm interested to see if Dallas can finally get their big guns rolling. Jason yeah. Robertson, I don't think, has a point yet in this series, and he was their MVP in the regular season. I think there's a lot of pressure, as weird as this sounds, on Carolina. I think if yeah. you you need to show you can respond to getting kind of beat down in game two. Like If this series is 2-2 and the Devils have all that momentum, I'd be worried if I was a Canes fan. At the same time, if it's 3-1, like I think Dallas could come back from 3-1 on Seattle. I could see yeah. Ottinger and them flipping a switch and like rattling off four straight or three straight wins at that point. I think if you're the Devils and you go down 3-1 to the Canes, it's done. I think if you're the Canes and you got to go home on 2-2 with series tied 2-2 with some pressure, I think you're a little nervous there as well. How about Luke Hughes last game? Two apples, playoff debut. That guy looks real. He looks like he's just ready to go. And it's just kind of wild that, you know, you, you have a guy like that who essentially just has come out of college hockey and just stepped right into a playoff game and was the second most impactful player right behind his brother. Yeah. 
just wild. Ryan is in and says, stop pretending that when people criticize Woody, they're referring to his stirring locker room speeches. He's obviously getting beat on the ice. I honestly don't know what hockey games you're watching. I just don't know how. Did you watch a second of the Oilers Kings? I don't think so. It's just also too, like Woodcroft can't push the effort when the guys are on the ice, when they miss assignments and all this stuff. And like, it's not on Woodcroft. Like he's done everything he can to like coach these guys to be ready. And when they're literally just not doing it, like the CC goal that we talked about where he just wouldn't push the guy to the ice and make an effort or the goal that we just allowed too. like, you look at the effort that Drysaddle had on it and the Bouchard one, like 30 seconds later, it's like, that is on the players. That has nothing to do with Jay Woodcroft. Now, if Jay Woodcroft was putting Dehane on McDavid's wing every night, sure, we can have a conversation, but that is not happening. And look, I, listen, Ryan, I totally get it. You can criticize the coach. I get it. And I'm kind of being an, an a-hole with my response to you there. But like Jay Woodcroft outcoached Daryl Sutter last year. Yes. They lose the first game, adjust, boom, four straight. You go to that series against LA. It took him a couple games, but he eventually found something that could pick apart the one three one and it worked and they rattled it off. Bruce Cassidy's a hell of a coach on the other side. And I actually, yeah, the white cloud goal, if you want to point that out, sure. But I don't think Jay Woodcroft, I know Jay Woodcroft's not coaching Warren Fogle to chase the guy into the neutral zone that he's not supposed to be covering. That's a brain fart. Like that's just, you know, he misses assignment. Yeah. Like it it's a missed assignment. Like Vegas did the <sighs> same thing on the one goal. They were scored. Like Brassois sat in his net way too deep. You're gonna blame the goalie coach? Yeah, yeah. Just a mistake. Uh, speaking of goaltending, Ilya Samsonov, this is just coming down, gonna be unavailable for the Leafs. So they're going Ooh. Joseph Wool with Matt Murray backing up in an elimination game for tomorrow night. Well, our boy Mike McKenna might be very happy about that. He loves he's a big Joseph Wool guy. Also, Stuart Skinner in the starters net at practice. So I'm not reading too much into that right now. If he's in the starters net tomorrow. At the skate, then giddy up. Um, so that's your little catch up on what's going on with the goaltending. Uh, other news around the NHL. We are going late today, Liam. Let's yes. talk draft lottery and Connor Bedard going to Chicago. You know yeah. who's happy about that? Accountants at the NHL. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say literally nobody. Like, um, yeah, crazy kind of thing that went down. Obviously, the Kevin Weeks slip up was was special, but. Just so everyone knows, Frank Cervalli wrote an article on how the NHL does not rig its draft lottery. Yeah. Just a mistake. It is obviously pre-drawn and then they record the live show. So they know what's going to happen. Yeah. But it's not, you know, rigged. But yeah, it's kind of good. Crazy draft class. I actually wrote a piece on this while I was at the I got here early today, Tyler, and I wrote an article on winners and losers from the draft lottery. And one of my winners were the top five teams in the draft lottery. Which might sound crazy, but all five of those players, besides, I know they have Leonard here, but Mitchkov is kind of the fifth best pl- top five prospect yeah. in this. He's just obviously a situation like all franchise all in players, if you ask me. They're all fantastic. And just to tease it a little bit more, one of my losers was the Arizona Coyotes. So go read that out on Others Nation. Because they're going to have to take Mitchkov? No, because they literally did whatever they could this season to be the worst team in the NHL and still couldn't get a top five pick. I mean, Chicago also did. That's fair. They grinded, baby. Kyle Davidson gets a thumbs up from me for that tank hey. job. Do you want to know how many players they have signed for next season? I, I Yes, I do, because I know it's going to be horrific. They have eight forwards under contract for next season, and only three of them make more than a million dollars. <laughs> Their highest paid forward next year is going to be Tyler Johnson. Hell yeah. Stanley Cup winner. 
<laughs> the thing is too, like you come into this situation with Bedard and he, this might be the worst situation for him. Hockey wise. Hockey yeah. Wise. If you have, if you wanted Connor Bedard in your fantasy league next year, he's probably not going to produce a ton here. No. Like you look at like what McDavid came into, at least like nurse dry cell and those kind of guys there, but like Chicago is in year two of this rebuild now going yeah. into it. And their second best player on this team offensively is probably going to be Taylor Radish. Right. Yeah. Who is good, obviously. But you look at the teams below, like he goes to Anaheim, he has that group. And then what was it? Columbus, obviously, Line A could draw yeah. with San Jose. Maybe that would have been the second worst. But as you know, they have Hurdle and Couture. These players there, like Chicago is essentially an American hockey league roster. He might play with better players at the Regina Pats than he did on the Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> next season. <laughs> you're you're on fire today. <laughs> you are you are on fire. Uh who could they sign, you maybe ask, to try to Get this thing in the right direction a little quicker. The highest scoring UFA forward this year, sorted by points. Mm. Number one, UFA forward by points. Alex Killorn. Oh, that'll that'll help. The chemistry between him and Tyler Johnson might be something. And Bedard will just slide right in. <laughs> yeah. I- <laughs> Man, that is, is, they have done such a good job of making this team terrible. Yeah. That Bedard is going to have a difficult time next season. 100%. Difficult, difficult time. And I I just feel like teams should... It's tough because like if you don't rip it down to the studs, you probably don't get Bedard this year. Yep. Also, I think they won with the same percentage odds that the Oilers had to get McDavid, 11 and a half. So there's yeah, that. Um, but here's the list of the 10 highest scoring UFA forwards this year. Killorn, 33 years old. Not that good. Bergeron, Boston or bust. Mm-hmm. Patrick Kane... Not the same player, but interesting case. Interesting to see if yeah. he'd go back. Yeah, but I don't know. Max Domi. Okay, he could go back. He, he, I think he actually would. Probably would, yeah. yeah. But then after that, David Krejci, JT Comfort. Like, Krejci's not coming anywhere but Boston yeah. if he comes back. JT Comfort, Vlad Tarasenko, Michael Bunting, Thomas Tatar, Jason Zucker, and Ivan Barbashev. There's no UFA answers this year. Can I give you a very juicy prediction, though? Yes. Highest scoring UFA forwards for next summer, William Nylander and Austin, Austin Matthews. Matthews. You're telling me the sell job of, hey, Austin, we got uh, two more seasons of Connor Bedard's ELC here. We're going to build us a little super team oh, that in Chicago. Be- big U.S. market <laughs> for a U.S. born star after the Leafs lose in six next year to, I don't know, the Devils in round one or some shit. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy, that would be. It writes itself. That would be a story. That would be a story. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I just on the Matthews things to see what he actually would get if the Leafs hypothetically don't get through. Right. Well, okay. the thing like, you look at with this off season too is like Matthews is eligible to sign an extension on July one. Yeah. What he so he probably wants McKinnon money. Yeah. At minimum twelve point six. If you're the Leafs, do you want to pay him twelve point six? I don't think you do after this season. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I know he has the MVP and all that kind of stuff, and he's obviously an elite goal scorer in the NHL. But do you really want to pay him? Like, I paid ten, maybe. So, if you're Matthews, why would you sign a deal coming off this a bad year? Do you do the good Johnny Gaudreau approach? I'll sign in the summer. <laughs> 
That was a wink for all that's, our podcast listeners. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, that's the third <laughs> moment today on the show that the podcast listeners really won't understand, but that's fine. Um, people saying he's going to Arizona. I get that story is would be great too, but like... Nah, I don't think I'll... Why would happen. you go play in the college rink and they haven't gotten everything sorted out? Big market, big endorsements, play with Bedard, that team... Chicago has like $40 million in cap space this off season. Yeah. Can you pull up the, the mock draft thing again? I think it was from daily face off Aaron, please. There's one player on this list. I want everyone to remember. And it is Zach Benson. Zach Benson. He's going number eight there to, uh, is that Washington? Yeah. I remember watching him in U15 when he played for the Yale hockey Academy. And this kid must've been about five foot nothing. I don't think he's grown much since. And he is an unbelievable hockey player. He was so good for Canada at the U18s last summer, and he's just been unreal for Winnipeg. He was probably Winnipeg's best player last season in the playoffs with a team with Matthew Savoy, Connor Geeky, uh, Carson Lambos, ton of first-round picks. So Zach Benson might be the steal of the first round. So shout out, Zach Benson. Don't you like Andrew Cristal too? I like Cristal a lot as well. Um, who's, yeah, 15 there. Braden Jaeger is another great one. He's from the Moose Jaw Warriors. This class coming out of Western Canada is is a lot, a yeah. lot of fun to watch. And there's one player who's kind of in the Oilers range. He's actually not from Western Canada, but um, Allen, I believe his name is Cameron Allen. He's a big defenseman and he was the captain of Canada at the U18s last summer. And he is a stud too. So he's kind of fallen off it a little bit. But I think he's from Oshawa or Guelph or something like that. He's a stud, but unreal draft class. Yeah, there's going to be stars picked late in the first round yes. in this draft here. Oilers won't be picking though. Yep. Because we got Matias Echol. I'm bittersweet about A little bit. It's, I, a, it's always fun in the moment that yeah, you get to the is. draft and you're like, darn, no fun new toy. I know, I got to wait a but, day. But the Oilers have playoff hockey and that is infinitely more fun than talking about the draft, if you ask me. Uh, Shirt for Giant Game Day coming up tomorrow. Myself, Liam and Jay live on location down at Greta to get yep. you set for a pivotal game for the swing game of this series. You're either down 3-1 or all tied up at 2. We will dig into that and more tomorrow on the show. Frank Saravalli is going to stop by as well for Star Mechanical. Big shout out to Belzy for joining today's show live from the Sports Closet Studio, as well as Betway. Greta, watch party on Friday. Mm -hmm. Cap Felton is going to be there. Confirm that yesterday. So uh, make sure you go to GretaBar.com and book your table for Friday. Labatt Canada, Boston Pizza, and AMA Travel with the AMA Travel Out of Town Scoreboard. Thanks to everyone who tuned in today. We'll talk again Noon Mountain tomorrow. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.